2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football DFS podcast for week three. I am Scott Jenstad, joined today again by Derek Van Riper. If you could please rate or view the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you enjoy listening to us each week, if you win some money from our picks or uh, or otherwise, uh, you want to leave us a good review, we'd greatly appreciate that. Leave us some good stars. Uh, that would be a fantastic to see. It means a lot for the podcast. Uh, Derek, we're headed into uh, week three. It's been, a, it's been a wild couple weeks in the NFL. A lot of passing touchdowns, a lot of receiving touchdowns, a lot of points. Uh, How are you feeling so far in the NFL after two weeks?
1: Uh, Pretty good. You know, I I like getting a few weeks in because we get a good sense of what's real and and what's not. There's still a couple mystery teams. Arizona, are they actually this bad? You know, Washington won good performance against Arizona, one pretty bad performance at home last week against the Colts. Uh, So trouble spots like those teams. But at least now we're getting a better sense of usage patterns within offenses, and I think we can kind of build upon that in these next few games and, and leverage that to get some early advantages on players whose prices simply haven't caught up yet.
2: Yeah, I think kind of the early season so far is just the, the crazy number of passing touchdowns and then the, the running backs catching passes. Three of the last, three of the top six guys last week uh, with targets were running backs between Chris Thompson and Christian McCaffrey and then the crazy Saquon Barkley game where I think he had 16 targets. Uh, it's wild how many teams just kind of going pass, pass, pass and using those running backs out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, I mean the the only team that's not doing that is, so far is Arizona, and, and the Chiefs too. They haven't thrown <laughs> that much to cream hunt yet, but the usage of David Johnson just it, it's like more confusing than the usage of Julio Jones last year in the red zone by Steve Sarkeesian.
2: Yeah, it has been uh, has been very odd. So before we hit uh, before we hit game by game, as we go through, as we usually do, kind of just talk about the slate overall. Uh, We have a couple of really high overrunners. We have we have a couple outliers on the high side and the low side this week on the high side we have everybody's favorite offense Kansas City Chiefs hosting my 49ers over/under that game right now is 56 and a half a huge number on that game and then we have the uh, the Saints headed to uh, Atlanta playing in the dome there over/under there is 53 so we got two games over 50 this week uh, are you feeling as good about those two games as everybody else is
1: yeah definitely i mean and those are just on the main slate alone if you're playing anything that includes sunday night you get a 52 from patriots lions uh, so that puts the Patriots as the second highest scoring team of the week. And then the Monday night game should be a shootout too. I mean, it's magic. Yeah. Uh, it gets Ben big Ben and the Steelers. Like there, there's a ton of offensive potential in that game. Part of me is a little bit like relieved that all four of those games aren't all jammed into the main slate. I'm kind of <laughs> glad they're spread out a little bit from an enjoyment standpoint. It'll, it'll make watching the Sunday night matchup a lot better than it was in week two. And, uh, even the Seahawks Bears game, I, I was flipping back oh, and forth watching a lot of baseball on Monday night. I couldn't, I couldn't take it. So I think we're in for much better primetime games uh, once we get past tonight's Browns Jets game. Of course, I mean that that could be pretty even, but I think it's going to be a lot like the Monday game we just watched between the Bears and the Seahawks.
2: You got a you got a pick for everybody in that Browns Jets game, real quick.
1: I think the Browns are going to get the win. They're long overdue. The Jets are OK, not great. Uh, the short week certainly favors the home team. And I just think with, with Cleveland, you know, they've they've been close twice. This is going to be their week.
2: Yeah, I tend to think so, too. On the flip side of the the, the high scoring fun games, we have a couple of uh, games on the main slate under 40 points in the over under. We've got Tennessee and Jacksonville, Tennessee. We still don't know who's going to be the quarterback there whether it's going to be Marcus Mariota or uh, Blaine Gabbert. Uh, either way, you got think the Jacksonville defense is going to uh, have their way there. Over under there's 39 and a half. And then even less so, you mentioned uh, you mentioned the Cardinals, uh, they they are home against the Bears. Bears have been shown a lot of defense. Arizona has shown no offense. They have one touchdown all year and six total points. Over under there is 37 and a half. It's going to be interesting to see if anybody touches those games from a DFS perspective.
1: Yeah, I feel like the only player on the Cardinals offense that anyone's going to think about is Johnson, and it's going to be in tournaments only, which is so weird that he's not a cash game player right now. Uh, but that offense just looks so out of sorts with so many other good games available. There's no reason to get cute. With the Titans, even if Mariota plays, I don't care. I, I think the only playable Titan may end up being Leon Lewis because they may be playing from behind, dumping the ball off to try and, and kind of ease that pass rush the Jags bring to the table just a little bit. Uh, but I think these are two teams, the Titans and the Cardinals, that are very easy to avoid. And of course, the Bills. I don't think I've seen an implied total as low as the one the Bills have. Kind of fluctuating (laughs) around they're seventeen point underdogs, depending on where you look. I mean, their implied total is a little over twelve. You just you don't see that, especially this early in the season in the NFL.
2: Yeah, I saw that in the plateau. That's pretty wild. I mean, to get a, a 16 or 17 point spread at this point of the season, I mean, you never see that by week three. Usually sometimes by, you know, week 12, 13, we really know the team's really bad or yeah, injuries are really good. But, you know, Buffalo doesn't have a, a ton of injuries. They got most of their guys playing. LaShawn McCoy is questionable this week. But 17 point line, I mean, that's it's something you don't very often see in, the, in this early in the season.
1: Yeah, and when you start looking at the the way you kind of expect things to go this week, I mean, the Chiefs are going to be the team every single week that we're talking about as the potential highest-scoring team in the league because their defense is bad. But the Saints might not be that far behind them. Like, the Saints are kind of the original Chiefs. And sure, Drew Brees at this stage of his career might not be as exciting as Patrick Mahomes is right now. But I look at the Saints, and I see their matchup against the Falcons – that's like the most cash friendly game on both sides. People are going to stack that up like crazy. I, I don't I don't have any reason to go against it from a, a cash standpoint at all. We'll talk about that one a little bit more from like a GPP context a little bit later on. Uh, I almost wonder though could the Vikings as the third highest implied total fly a little under the radar because of just how how much they're expected to roll the bills? Like people are going to be worried maybe about Delvin Cook getting rested. Uh, maybe you look at that Vikings team and say, "Yeah, they're gonna get they're gonna get their twenty eight points, but maybe it's gonna be Latavius Murray on the field a lot in the second half, or maybe it's gonna be some some distribution from Kirk Cousins where you know everyone does okay, but nobody really pops because they don't have to in this matchup. Like, are you thinking maybe that the Vikings get overlooked?"
2: I think they definitely get overlooked, but it's just hard to figure out. I mean, if they just, you just assume they, you know, they're up 17 in the fourth quarter, they're not going to be throwing the ball. So you've got all that production, the first, you know, two and a half, three quarters, but you need it right away. You know, if you have Stefan Diggs or Adam Thielen, you need them to score in the first half. And it's just hard when you don't get that, you know, the last 15 to 22 minutes of a game to, to bring up production. You know, Minnesota had that big game where they had the overtime, uh, where they had the tie and they had racked up a lot of points there. And, it's just really hard to you know play a, a 37 minute game where everybody else is playing a 60 minute game. So I, I'm a little concerned about that. If Dalvin Cook was healthy, uh, I would love him this week. I'd like to see some more on the injury report. He's got that hamstring he's dealing with. You know that's a that's a nice game script for him. But even if it gets way out of hand, you got to think like you said, um, they're going to rest Cook. I think Latavius Murray is a a slam dunk player. If for some reason. Cook doesn't play. I think he becomes probably the highest percent uh guy in cash games if that happens.
1: Right. Murray would join the group of kind of other like obvious sorts of, of building blocks, which, you know, Geo Bernard's price hasn't really caught up to where it should be for his expected usage with Joe Mixon out. It looks like Corey Clement's going to be really busy for the Eagles. Yep. He's even cheaper than Gio pretty much everywhere I've looked. So when you start thinking about how to build a lineup, even in GPPs, but especially in cash, those two guys at the running back position are pretty much at the top of the list because they're so, underpriced relative to their expected usage this week uh, but yeah I, I would agree with you i think if, if we were to get news between now and kickoff on sunday that they're just going to ease off delvin cook maybe deactivate him or just not use him really at all uh, i think that would vault latavius murray right into the thick of things as one of the best running back plays on the board
2: yeah the last thing i wanted to get to before we uh, hit the game by game is we talk about percentages a lot and uh, you know I tend to think percentages in football are a little overrated. We talked a ton about the, the Kansas City-Pittsburgh game last week. It ended up 42-37, so it lived up to every bit of hype we hoped for. But, you know, in the FanDuel Sunday Million, kind of their, their big, big GPP where the winner gets uh, a million bucks, second place is 200 grand, third place is 100 grand. You look at the percentages on the quarterback. Ben Roth was 10% and Mahomes was 8% last week. So it kind of reinforces the fact that no matter how much a game is popular, in a a big tournament, quarterbacks don't end up that hugely high percentage-wise.
1: I wonder, though, if this week, because Mahomes has done it in back-to-back weeks now, (laughs) if if that triples up to like the low 20% range. Like I kind of think...
2: One would think, right?
1: I just think as as we get more information about a season, like two weeks in, everyone's going to start trusting what they see a lot more than after the first week. And I think you're going to start to see stronger ownership pulls on players like that. Um, but I, I wonder. I also wonder, though, this is, this is where you're always kind of trying to guess what everybody's going to do. Will the hype on Mahomes and, and probably Jimmy Garoppolo, I think whoever's playing the Chiefs is always going to be highly owned, yeah. like top four, top five quarterback ownership, depending on how the rest of the board breaks. Will that pull enough attention away from Breeze and Ryan, or at least one of those guys, to where, as great as that matchup is, you end up with Ryan or Breeze at like ten or twelve percent ownership in tournaments this week.
2: Yeah, I would I would think both those guys would be twelve percent or under. I mean, I was surprised even last. I mean, everybody talked about the Chief Steelers game, I and mean, that was the talk of everything. To see those guys both under ten and a half percent, I was still a little surprised. Even for week two, I thought to, I thought both those guys would be in the fifteen twenty percent range at least. I mean. The the guy that won the Million Ducks had Kirk Cousins. He was at 2.5%. So it was uh, – a w- when we get a full slate, I think the quarterback spread out pretty well. I think you run into ownership issues with running backs like the guys you mentioned earlier. Tevin Coleman was 28% in the in the Sunday Million last week. And then Antonio Brown was 33%. So you do run into some running back wide receiver issues. But I think the quarterback gets spreads out spread out pretty well. I think a really good test of it this week would be Mahomes. You know, off the six-touchdown game, playing the 49ers in a huge over-under game. Matt Stafford just lit them up pretty good and could have had more. I think this will be a really good test. I think it, it, to see what his percentage will be really interesting this
1: week. Yeah, Between Cousins and Stafford, the Niners, I have a, allowed a 104 passer rating through the first two games, uh, just under eight yards per attempt, You know, six passing TDs, and a pick. Uh, that, that's that's really a good spot to pick on. Actually, I think I had that a little backwards. It's a 99 pass rating, five TDs and a pick, just looking at Mahomes' matchup. So San Francisco is going to be one of those teams that defensively, I'm still not quite sure how bad they are, but it doesn't matter with the Chiefs, you know, matching up with them this week. Like even if San Francisco's a league average defense, we're not going to know it after this week.
2: And on top of those numbers, Stafford missed like four or five guys wide open down the field last week. That were just horrible overthrows. It could have been big chunk plays. Uh, If you go back and watch that tape at all, he missed a lot of big plays. He left a lot of stuff on the field. The Niners D could have really gotten scalded in that game.
1: So the the question then, I think, is, you know, as we get to that game in a little while, is there a specific matchup that you think the Chiefs will exploit against that defense? Is there one particular weakness that the Chiefs are going to totally light them up on, whether it's a good Sammy Watkins week or a good Kelsey week? It seems like it's a great week for Tyreek Hill pretty much every week. Or does the running game become... Uh, A little bit more productive. You know, are they going to be holding enough of a lead in the second half where Kareem Hunt gets a ton of work? I still think they're going to start throwing to him more. Maybe not this week, but eventually they're going to have to. They got a few tougher matchups coming up. Uh, I know they get Denver twice in the span of like five weeks. So as they start seeing some teams with better pass rushes, I think that might also lead to an uptick in usage of Kareem Hunt as a pass catcher.
2: Yeah, I tend, to, I tend to agree with you there, but uh, let's jump into the games. We'll uh, we'll hit uh, Kansas State, San Francisco in depth in here in a bit. Uh, first game I wanted to go uh, go on is uh, Indianapolis headed to Philly. We have the return of Carson Wentz. Eagles are fared by six and a half. Overrunners pretty good in this game, 47 and a half. And as we go through, I think it'll be interesting to try and find maybe that third game that uh, could be an interesting stack. We've got New Orleans, Atlanta, Kansas City, San Francisco. Everybody's going to be playing those guys. There's going to be a lot of plays from those. But I think it would be interesting to see if we can find maybe a third game to find kind of a sneaky stack from. This is the first one, over under 47.5. Indianapolis, so you look at them, I think you just stay away from the running backs. It's kind of a three-headed mess right now with with Mack and Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Uh, do you like anything in the Indy passing game this week against the Eagles?
1: You know, luck might get a little bit overlooked. The the numbers so far are pretty good, but not great. I think the price is nice and low. He's down at 5,600 on DraftKings, which is very affordable. Uh, because the running game is so choppy right now, I, I'd agree with you. I mean, if they can, if they can get something going, I, maybe it's through Marlon Mack, but I don't feel confident enough in that to where I actually want to put Mack in any lineups. If I'm going to do anything in this passing game again, it's probably going to be T.Y. Hilton. I don't worry as much about his matchups against opposing corners, again, because he's he's a fast guy that can, if you miss the jam on him, he can just burn you over the top and make it all happen on one play. Um, so if I were going to do anything with this offense, it would probably just be T.Y. Hilton as a standalone play, but I could see that case For Andrew Luck as a GPP option, if you're setting ten lineups, having one Andrew Luck lineup might not be a bad idea for tournaments because I think he'll be very low owned. And if that Colts defense is just atrocious, he may end up with a game script where he gets to throw it 40 or 45 times.
2: Yeah, the guy I really like in this game also is T.Y. Hilton. Uh, My only concern with him is absent at practice today. He has a quad injury he said he's feeling good. He should be fine. Nothing to worry about, but I always worry when a guy misses Thursday practice It's kind of a big one as, you know, Friday and Saturday kind of get a little more mellow and more walk y but uh, I'd like to see him practice Friday before I decide, but, you know, Julio Jones went uh, 10 for 169 against this Eagles defense. Both Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans had 80-plus yards last week and scored all three top uh, Buccaneers wide receivers scored last week versus Philly, so they're having trouble uh, with wide receiver ones right now, so I do like Hilton. Like you said, a good game script. Uh, he's got a TD in each game. He's got 11 targets in each game, too. He's been a, pretty much a target monster as luck gets rid of the ball pretty quickly uh he'd be the guy i like there on the eagle side you mentioned uh cory clement earlier um it sounds like both uh darren sproles and jay ajayi are in pretty serious danger of missing this game he's 5800 he's averaging five yards per carry uh, gotta think he's gonna be super popular if those guys are out
1: yeah i would think 15 20 percent ownership on on Corey clement's gonna happen because that price is uh, even less than like giovanni bernard it's like a thousand less than Kenyon drake who i, I do like yep. this week as well um, so I, I have no I have no strong inclination to fade Clement because it's both Ajayi and Sproles out If Sproles were out there. You know, that'd be his passing down work, I think, in general. And, and Clement would just be the lead ball carrier. But he has the chance to fill both roles this week. And it's a bad enough defense in Indy where I, I really do like to set up for Corey Clement this week. So I do want to have some exposure.
2: Uh, what about the passing game? You know, Wentz is back. Do you uh, do you worry about chemistry with Nelson Aguilar? Aguilar's had 22 targets for the first two weeks, 16 catches with Nick Foles. Any concern that, that Wentz jumps in and maybe it's a little uh, a little up and down for the receivers right now?
1: I'd be more concerned if they had their full complement of receivers healthy. I mean, if Elshawn Jeffrey were right. ready to go and, and 100% healthy, then that would make me concerned about Aguilar. But the setup is so good for him that I think you can go with one of Aguilar or Ertz this week. Um, I think if I were choosing one, I'm a little more likely to play Egalor, which is kind of surprising because tight end is such a dumpster fire. Uh, but I just think you're getting a little more value, a little more bang for your buck as far as your projected output over cost. Uh, 6,600 on FanDuel for Egalor, 6,100 on DraftKings. Playable on both sites. I like him a little more where you're getting the full point PPR on DraftKings, but I, I think I'll have, I'll have him probably on both sites.
2: Yeah, I like Zach Ertz a lot this week. Probably my favorite tight end. He is up to seven thousand on Fanduel, five hundred less than Kelsey. Uh, He's leading all of all tight ends in the NFL in targets with twenty three. He's got double digits both games, and that's huge for a tight end. Anytime you can get that kind of opportunity, he's already established really good chemistry with Carson Wentz. And I wonder if, you know, Wentz's first game back, he might be a little gun shy to stick in the pocket for, you know, that extra tick and look down the field. Maybe Ertz is, uh, you know, the check down, get the rid of the ball really quickly. I really like. In that first game with Wentz, he kind of eases in. Maybe that, maybe a security blanket for Wentz in the first game.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because I'm not really looking at Wentz as an option in lineups this week. I want to take more of a wait and see with him, but because they've got so many injuries, I think they do have enough to at least sustain uh, one of those guys, if not both of them, for you know making value at least this week in, the, in that matchup.
2: Yeah, I, I do like it's, it's weird. I do, you're right. I do like a couple guys in the offense, but not really playing Wentz this week. So I, I agree with you there. Uh, I think that's good for that game. We move on to the next one. We've got uh, Cincinnati headed to Carolina. Carolinas favored by three in this game. Over under of forty four. On the Cincy side, uh, we are kind of talking about the overall slate. We talked about Gio Bernard. Joe Mixon is out. Uh, Bernard's sixty four hundred on FanDuel. Um, in in the four weeks last year when Mixon was either you know really limited, didn't play many snaps, or out. Um, you know Bernard averaged almost 20 touches per those games. He had 13, 11, 14, and 23 carries with uh, you know three, eight, five, and seven targets in those four weeks. So really active in those games. A little more active than I remembered him and I expected him to be. So uh, looking at that, when Mixon's out, you know I think he's a th- he's a three down guy. There's no game script issues with uh, with Bernard. If they're ahead, he'll get the ball on the ground. If they're behind, he'll get uh, he'll get the ball in the air. Um, you know. Tevin Coleman was 16 for 107 on the Carolina defense last week. It seems like kind of all things go for Gio Bernard. If you think he's going to be kind of that workhorse guy this week at 6,400,
1: yeah, I think you're looking at probably 70 to 80 yards on the ground, probably 40 to 50 as a pass catcher, depending on how the game script goes, and a decent chance for for him to score. Uh, I have no sense of whether or not the Bengals trust the rookie Mark Walton as a, a short yardage back or a possible goal line vulture, and until I see them use him in that role. I'm just going to assume that Bernard gets very heavy usage. He probably gets 90 to 95 percent of the touches out of that backfield this week. It's just a matter of how much exposure do you want. If you're setting multiple tournament lineups, you know, do you go 50 percent Bernard? Do you go 25 percent Bernard? I absolutely like him. Would lock him in in cash games, especially. It's just a you know a tournament debate as to how popular he's going to be. I'm, I'm expecting close to 20 percent ownership though with Bernard this week.
2: Yeah, and I think Carolina's going to win this game. Actually, if you happen to be someone who uh, knows about spreads or picks game, I really like Carolina minus three in this game. I think they I think they cover that pretty easy, and I think that that helps Bernard in the second half. I think he catches some balls uh, out of the backfield. Anybody else in the uh, Cincinnati offense you like? You know, Tyler Boyd is down to 4,700 on FanDuel. Had nine targets last week, caught uh, six catches, 491 yards, and a touchdown. A.J. Green obviously had the three-touchdown game. His first three catches were touchdowns last week in the Thursday night game. They are an extra rest. Uh, Anybody you like in the Cincinnati passing game?
1: I don't have any issues with using A.J. Green. He didn't just pop up as one of my top plays this week. So if you want to roll him out there, pay the freight for him. I'm not going to argue against it. Uh, Boyd versus John Ross. I think people are going to look at that every single week and say, Boyd's my cash game option if I want to save money and Ross is the GPP dart because he's such a burner, right? Like That's going to be the common analysis with those two guys, but Boyd's floor week to week seems like it's a little bit higher right now just based on the way those two guys have been used to this point.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with you there. And, and if you look at uh, like a DraftKings setup, you got to like Boyd more in a PPR situation. Um, you know, and you remember, people forget Tyler Boyd was a second round pick out of Pitt like, you know, a couple years ago. So this is not just some, you know, slot receiver that's that's out there and, uh, you know, catching six yard passes. He was a pretty big prospect coming out.
1: Yeah, he was. And at one point, I think he was kind of a projected top 15 overall guy. So he fell a little bit. I think he disappointed in his final season in college, but uh, definitely had that sort of number one receiver upside at one point in the scouting report so an easy guy to kind of brush aside but Cincinnati's offense looks like it's kind of moved its way back to at least league average status after being a complete dumpster fire last year Uh, so increasingly this is an offense I've been warming up to as a whole and I know that's dangerous because the Bengals are one of those franchises they they let you down as soon as you start to believe as soon as you think all right they're turning the corner they're going to be reliable every single week they're actually going to be a playoff team this year whatever you start to believe in they crushed those dreams so quickly, but I do think this <laughs> offense is well-constructed. I agree with you, though, on the Panthers uh, covering in this game. So that does bode well from a volume standpoint. Does Andy Dalton make your GPP list this week? Uh,
2: I don't think so. I don't think it's a horrible GPP dart if you wanted to play it, but there's just other quarterbacks. I think that I, I like more in that range that I'm i uh, I'm more willing and comfortable to play, especially for some, for some, what I see is uh, more upside than Dalton.
1: Yeah. I'm not 50 lineup guys, so I won't have a Dalton lineup, but I, I, <laughs> I don't think it's a terrible setup because the price is very low, especially on DraftKings.
2: What about uh, the Carolina side? Cam Newton had a big st- st- statistical, I can speak, uh, game last week: three hundred thirty-five yards, three touchdowns. Uh, he made some bad mistakes in that game. He kind of got lucky. The, the uh, Falcons dropped a couple of interceptions. There was a couple of plays that could have uh, could have gone against him. He was, you know, checking down a lot to Christian McCaffrey. He had, uh, I think, McCaffrey had 14 catches. He had 24 targets through the first two weeks. Uh, what are you doing with the Carolina offense? I find it hard to kind of figure out what to do with here. You know, DJ Moore had the 50-yard touchdown. Devin Funches had nine targets with Greg Olson out. Uh, is there anybody in particular attacking on the Panthers' offense? Because I kind of see it as a uh, spread the ball around group right now, aside from C-Mac.
1: Yeah, I mean, C-Mac just seems like really safe in cash games. Probably going to cost, you know, eighty five hundred. This time next week, so you're getting a little, bit, little right. discount on DraftKings at 7800 And on FanDuel, he's still pretty affordable there as well. So um, I'm looking at Cam, and I'm kind of wondering, okay, if, if everybody's going to be chasing Mahomes and Garoppolo, if you're playing the bigger slate, you know Brady, Stafford, and then, of course, in the main slate, the the Ryan Breeze matchups, is Cam actually going to be a little bit overlooked? On FanDuel, he's 8300 So I think his ownership rate's going to be low over there, which makes him more appealing always kind of a high risk, high reward, optimal tournament sort of quarterback to consider when you're going to play him. On DraftKings, he's so cheap at 6,000 that I think he's going to be quite a bit more popular. So I almost wonder if I fade him on DraftKings and actually play him in tournaments on FanDuel, if I'm kind of getting the best of both worlds since I'm driving the ownership rate down, having to pay up a little more for him on FanDuel this week.
2: Yeah, I think that makes sense. I don't think he'll be super high percent on, on either, but definitely higher on DraftKings where it's uh, that much cheaper. Uh, what about Ian Thomas? Uh, Fanduel, he's four thousand bucks. He played sixty four snaps last week. Uh, he he did. He only had a couple catches. I think he had one catch, but he actually dropped a touchdown. It was about a twenty five yard pass that hit him right in the chest, and it just dropped. It was a perfect pass from Newton. If you're gonna punt tight end, you know a guy who played sixty four snaps, a guy who's starting, any interest in Thomas at four grand?
1: He could be in that conversation. Um, I'm probably not going to go quite that far down. Uh, I think when you see like Austin Hooper and and Ben Watson as affordable as they are, I think I'd be more inclined to lock in on one of them. But certainly encouraging that Thomas played as much as he did last week in the absence of Greg Olson.
2: My last play here that I kind of really like at 4100 is the Carolina defense. Uh, They had six sacks week one. And I think Andy Dalton has played well, but I think he's looking to be a little bit different player on the road. Uh, you know, they're in in Carolina, I think Carolina is going to score and get a lead. Uh, I wonder if we might get a nice game script for the Carolina D at a super low percent.
1: Yeah, 2,700 on DraftKings is very cheap, Ooh, too. So nice. I, I think that's a sneaky, sneaky D call that you can get in there when everybody else is generally going to be looking at the Jags, the Vikings and the Bears. So, yeah, I, yep. I do like that. as kind of the under the radar defense this week.
2: Yeah, I think Jags, Vikings, Bears, you mentioned the triumvirate. I think they're going to be all really popular on the defensive side. Um, next game is one of the uh, ones that's under 40 on the over-under. So probably a pretty quick game for us in terms of DFS. But uh, Tennessee headed to Jacksonville facing that uh, nasty defense. You mentioned the, the Titans offense real quick at the top. You know, it doesn't really matter who's playing quarterback. Probably not going to use either one. But I agree with you. You mentioned Deion Lewis is probably the only guy that you're interested in. If the game script works as we think it will and, and Jacksonville takes a lead, you know, they could be dumping the ball to him a lot in the second half. And at 5,700 on FanDuel, uh, and even on DraftKings, where you get a point per reception, he might be someone that uh, you can slide through because most people just kind of fade everybody against the Jags defense.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I, I'd get the general approach there for sure, but I just think a, a hard-running, pass-catching specialist like that can be uh, particularly useful. I think the problem in this game, too, is even on the Jacksonville side, you got Leonard Fournette still limited in practice. Bortles probably won't have to throw it nearly as much as he did last week against New England. He looked great in that game. He played very well.
2: He did, um,
1: yeah. So I came away pretty impressed. And, and Keelan Cole is is legit. Like I, I, I had some concerns about Keelan Cole. I had a little bit of... Doubt in my mind about how the how the targets are going to be distributed in the Jags offense this year. But if if last week is any indication, Keelan Cole is a legitimate number one receiver in this Jags offense, probably a top 20 fantasy player. And I think he's one of those guys where the price hasn't quite caught up to the talent just yet.
2: Did you like that catch along
1: the sideline? Oh, man, that was just (laughs) that was amazing.
2: Yeah, it was one of those like my wife was next to me reading. I'm like, oh, stop reading. I'm rewinding. You got to watch this play because that was just absurd. Uh, the Jacksonville, Jacksonville receivers are interesting. They have three guys with 11-plus targets on the year between Keelan Cole, DD Westbrook, and Dante Moncrief, and I just they feel very much spread it around. I agree with you that Cole is really good. I just wonder it's, if it's going to be tough to time those guys week to week.
1: Yeah, I think you have a little bit of like a, a Minnesota problem with the Jags offense this week where – they could just get up early, and if you find the right pieces that help them get there, great. But if you don't, they're not going to have to be very aggressive in the second half of this matchup.
2: Yeah, and they they've shown that they uh, they're okay with uh, you know shutting it down and, and running the ball against New England. They had a lead, and I think they knew that New England still come back. They stayed aggressive, which I really like to see after they did not do that in the AFC Championship game. But uh, against Tennessee, there's not that risk of you know Tom Brady on their side going off on you. Uh, you mentioned the Jaguars' defense. Uh, they're 5000 bucks on Fandle. They are the most expensive defense. Uh, do you think that being the most expensive and everybody jumping on Minnesota and Chicago might keep the percentage down? Or do you think they'll still be pretty popular?
1: Nah, I think I think all three of those defenses are going to be pretty popular. I think people are going to be willing yeah. to pay up because the potential for turnovers, sacks, all the boxes are checked this week, really, in all three of those matchups.
2: Yeah, if if you want to pay up for them, I have no problem with that. I think I probably will try and find some some lower percentage sneakier Ds as we go along here. We'll mention a few of them. Uh, the first one I mentioned was Carolina. Uh, moving on to our first uh, big game of the day, New Orleans at Atlanta. Uh, you talk about game script. This is like picture perfect. You got the Falcons favored by three. So you got a close game. You got back and forth. You got over under 53. You got a game that's indoors. Uh, big name stars on both sides. Should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, obviously, it's going to be one of the popular games. Start with the New Orleans side. Um, are you attacking the passing game with Breeze and Thomas? Or are you going more Alvin Kamara on the side? Uh, what do you Kamara? Sorry, I always mispronounce that. Uh, what do you do with New Orleans this week? Uh, obviously uh, popular, but uh, what's what's the kind of way you're going to attack them?
1: I like the passing game a little bit more, but that's not to say that I have any issue with Alvin Kamara. I mean, like t- take your pick. I I don't think you want to load up both. Although Kamara is the the. He's one of the few high-end running backs that you would actually consider stacking with the quarterback because they throw to him yeah. so much that maybe maybe a Breeze-Chimera combo is actually the way to go if you want to double-tap with the Saints instead of Breeze-Thomas, which I think is going to be extremely popular and should be because it should be extremely productive. Uh, but if you're looking for something a little different with the Saints— Unfortunately, you can't use Traquan Smith on FanDuel. That's one of the the things I'm frustrated about this week is that he's not in their player pool. So he's just not an option. And I kind of like the fact that he's ticking up a little bit. Cameron Meredith still behind, hasn't really made an impact at all yet. Uh, So there's, there's some interesting target share up for grabs in this offense behind Thomas and Kamara. Ted Ginn kind of holds that third role right now. Maybe Ben Watson becomes a good tournament tight end this week because of the matchup. Um, but I, I really wish I could use Traquan Smith as a tournament play on FanDuel.
2: Yeah, that's odd. I mean, it's not like he's just a guy that jumped, uh, got activated this week. That's uh, that's odd that he's not even available as, as an option.
1: Yeah, I don't know if that's just a, a glitch from the you know apostrophe in his name or what caused that, but... <laughs> <laughs> it's it, the weirdest things cause glitches like that as far as like programming goes. But nevertheless, he's you can, not out you there. You can play. You can play Josh
2: or Edo Smith from that game if you want.
1: Yeah, and uh, Edo Smith's one of those guys. We'll talk about the Falcons in a minute. Like I, I didn't think he'd have any sort of role this year because they had two really good backs. But Freeman having a knee injury does make that situation a little more interesting than I would have expected.
2: Yeah, that's the, that's funny that there's two smiths and Trey Con is not one of them. Uh yeah, Kamara's interesting cuz you know all the everybody's been excited about the receiving but he's kind of struggled running the ball. He's at 8 for 29 a week 1, 13 for 46 the week after that. Um, hasn't done a lot out of just kind of your regular hand off the ball to him sets, and they've kind of moved away from that. And his 18 targets, 15 catches, is obviously huge. And I mean, the key with this is Atlanta's missing the whole middle of their defense with Keanu Neal and Dion Jones out. I mean, Christian McCaffrey had 14 catches last week. It's hard to see them being able to stop Camara out of the backfield catching passes without the, without those two guys.
1: Yeah, you kind of wonder if they just throw to him by design like 10 or 12 times, and he ends up just being like a wide receiver one at the running back position. Uh, maybe he only carries the ball a dozen times. And I think there's going to base all this on how effective he is. Uh, Ingram comes back in a couple of weeks. So once that happens, we might see a little bit of a, a decline in, in Kamara's price just because the, the touch volume will come down. But I still think this is a great spot to roll him out there. Uh, 9,500 might scare a few people off because there are plenty of values at running back this week.
2: Yeah, that is true. The the, the price tag is, is fully priced there. It's ma- interesting you mentioned Ben Watson. I think he's kind of a sneaky one, too. Uh, he had five targets last week. Four of them were inside the opponent's 30-yard uh, line, so they're really using him kind of in that red zone as they get close to the red zone. Um, so four of those five targets were kind of built in the offense when they got close to the end zone. Uh, you got to wonder where he's finally going to break through for a touchdown. I think he just missed one uh, last week. Uh, if you're going to go down at tight end, I think, uh, as you mentioned, Ben Watson's an interesting guy in a, in a game that could be very back and forth.
1: Yeah, tournaments only, 3,100 on DraftKings. $4,900 on FanDuel, so very affordable in both spots.
2: On the Falcons side, uh, you know the Saints D was was torched early on uh, Week One by the Tampa Bay offense. We talked about that game plenty last week with Fitz Magic. Uh, M- Matt Ryan had a big game last week. Actually, he had two rushing touchdowns uh, to the uh, to the detriment of all the Tevin Coleman over- owners in uh, GPPs and cash games. You know, take away those two rushing touchdowns. But uh, this game, obviously, we mentioned great game script. Uh, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones stack. I assume you're fully on board with that one.
1: Absolutely, it's my preferred cash stack. Ryan is very affordable. Uh, everyone's going to be flocking to that, and they should be. Um, I I don't see any compelling reason to look away from that in cash games. I mean, when you consider the price difference between Ryan and Patrick Mahomes and you look at the expected points output from those two guys, it's not not nearly enough to justify the difference in cost and paying up for Mahomes if you're playing a cash game.
2: Yeah, Julio's there. They're really making a point of targeting Julio, 24 targets through two weeks. But what do you do with Tevin Coleman this week? Uh, Devontae Freeman's still going to be out. Uh, He had solid usage last week. He ran well. He had 16 carries for 107 yards, had four catches. Uh, He's up to 7,300 on Fandles. They've clearly bumped his price up from the the bargain last week. Uh, What do you do with Coleman this week then? Obviously he ran well, but he's fully priced. Uh, He's someone that uh, you're not going to be going forward with?
1: I'm okay with it. Um, I think there's just a bunch of other backs where I'm getting a little more bang for my buck this week, so he probably ends up in like one lineup if I set five, and a lot of weeks I don't have five different lineups, so I could end up without Tevin Coleman this week. I'm okay fading him because I think there's going to be so much production from the passing games on both sides, and a lot of it has to do with saving some money at running back to be able to pay up for uh, you know, Ryan, or actually Julio who you're paying up for, but paying up for those higher-end options we've been talking about is something I do want to do. And to do that, uh, saving at running back is kind of essential.
2: And Julio had no issues last year with the Saints with Marshawn Lattimore. He had 98 yards in one game, a buck 49 in the other. But if you were to get a little sneaky and go away from Julio in that passing game, uh, any interesting in Calvin Ridley coming off his uh, his five touch, 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 touch targets and a touchdown last week?
1: Yeah, I think Ridley, Ridley in GPPs definitely is definitely is a good option. I mean, he's 5,000 on FanDuel. He's 3,700 on DraftKings. Uh, targets ticked up after kind of a quiet week one on the road against Philadelphia. It just seems like... He should have the upper hand over Mohamed Sanu in a matchup like this. Both Sanu and Ridley could end up with enough targets to be useful. Um, It's just a matter of of whether or not you think that's the best way to go or Austin Hooper as another punt option at tight end. But if I were going to go with a punt option in the passing game behind Julio Jones, it's definitely Kelvin Ridley for me.
2: Yeah, I think I agree there. Hooper does have nine targets for the first two weeks, two weeks, so he's been very active. But I think that Ridley has uh, more upside, especially in the tournament. I think if you're going away, uh, going kind of cheaper in this offense, I think Ridley is the way to go. Uh, anybody else in this game that you want to talk about? This one, uh, this one should be a fun one. I'm looking forward to the fireworks there.
1: Yeah, it's, a, it's gonna be a fun one. I want to see how much Edo Smith gets used, but I don't think I'm rolling him out there this week, even though he's affordable.
2: So next game is uh, Denver at the Ravens. Uh, Baltimore's fared by five and a half over unders 43 and a half Baltimore off the long week. They lost to Cincinnati on Thursday night, Uh, Denver uh, with a close win over the Raiders on Sunday. Uh, Denver's tough on, on offense with the running backs. Uh, You know, Philip Lindsay looked really good last week, had uh, 28 snaps. Uh, Royce Freeman only had 16. Are you on board that maybe Lindsay's a kind of uh, tipping the scales of that battle right now and is someone that could be
1: potentially playable this week? I've had to open my mind to it and I just didn't even think it was possible <laughs> two weeks ago. And I'm looking right. at it from a, a daily perspective. It's an easy situation to kind of leave away, like just leave alone for another week and say, well, yeah, you're getting pretty good value in, in both cases. If I were going to play one of Lindsay or Freeman this week, I'd actually play Freeman in a GPP. I mean, I just think you're getting. A little bit of a discount. Everyone's hyped up about Lindsey right now. He's a burner. He runs really well. I mean, you get him out in open field, and you've got a problem. Like he's he's going to make some big plays. Uh, but th- there's a reason they drafted Royce Freeman where they did. And I just I have a hard time believing that he's going to fall into the small side of a timeshare. I think it's going to be more even, if not something that favors Freeman this week. Uh, the Ravens are one of those teams. I'm trying to figure out just how good. That defense is. They have been tough against the run so far. I think they've allowed like 3.8 yards per carry in these first two games. Uh, I have not allowed a rushing touchdown yet either. So it could be tough sledding for the Denver backs. But if I'm playing one, it's Royce Freeman for tournaments.
2: On the on the pass side, last week, Demarius Thomas was one of my uh, bigger letdowns last week. Uh, hurt me in a couple lineups. He was five catches for 18 yards. Had a couple of really bad drops late in the game that could have been you know huge in that result. And ended up winning, but could have cost them. Still had 11 targets, though. You know, that's that's important for DFS. You want guys that are involved. Emmanuel Sanders is really good still. Four catches for 96 yards. But he only had four targets. Uh, if you had to uh, go for one of the pass catchers here, you know, Baltimore's fared by five and a half. Could be a good second-half game script for the Broncos. Uh, which one would you lean towards?
1: It's weird because I, I was on Thomas with you last week, and it just didn't work out. I like both players, but I think I'm more likely to just get the discount, uh, on DraftKings at least, with Demarius Thomas. I think 5,200 is a bargain for him. Uh, I think Ooh, that the Ravens cheap. could be really tough at home especially, and you're right, it could be a lot like the matchup they just had against the Raiders where Case Keenum has to go to the air a lot in the second half, so... Both are fine plays, but if I'm only taking the shot on one, Demarius Thomas gets the edge because of that extra discount.
2: Yeah, the one note I do have there is that uh, you know uh, Tyler Boyd had a big day out of the slot last week against Baltimore, and Sanders should be lined up there, so that might be a little bit of an edge to Sanders. But uh, I do like the 11 targets on Thomas. I like the discount and price also, so I think I agree with you there. I think I'd go back to Demarius one more time and see if he can actually catch the ball this time.
1: Yeah, I, hopefully he can. He, he's had some <laughs> legit drop problems, though. Like it's Yes, It's becoming more of a concern than it was two or three years ago. On
2: the on the Ravens side, interesting that uh, I got a couple of uh, wide receivers I want to talk about, but neither one is their number one. Michael Crabtree, Uh, John Brown has had a great start to the season. He had uh, ten targets in week two, very involved, uh, four catches for ninety two yards and a touchdown. Uh, The Broncos, you know, we talk about how good their defense is, but you know they gave up one hundred sixteen yards to Mari Cooper last week on ten catches. Uh, and then Willie Sneed, $5,400 on FanDuel. He had eight targets last week after six week one. So 14 targets for a guy who, you know, we didn't really expect to be a huge part of their offense when this season started. It was you kind know, of Crabtree and Brown and, you know, some Hayden Hurst, although he got hurt. Uh, I think I like Sneed more in PPR with the targets, but uh, are you going back to John Brown this week?
1: Yes. Uh, I think you can go back to John Brown. I think as long as he's healthy and if his legs are, are not a problem, he's underpriced if he's under 5K on DraftKings and if he's. Uh, in like the six thousand or less range on Fanduel, I didn't see the Fanduel price just yet, but he's
2: sixty sixty two hundred.
1: Yeah, that's very fair for for a guy yeah. that does nine and a half ten yards per target when things are going well. The key for me is just like okay, they were behind trying to play catch up. They were leaning so heavily on Brown that it wasn't just the occasional deep shot; it was more of a volume opportunity for him than I expected. So. I do like Brown. I do like Snead as well. If you're looking for that, that cheap flex, that third option at wide receiver on DraftKings, if you're paying up everywhere else and you need one thing that's discounted, I think Willie Snead's um, kind of like a rich man's Cole Beasley. So I, I'd actually think about him as a, a good, good wide receiver punt if you need to save there because you're spending up everywhere else.
2: So the Baltimore defense was very popular week 1 against the Bills. They played really well at home, then really struggled last week against Cincinnati on the road. They had uh they had no sacks and no, no turnovers last week. Gave 373 yards of offense and 34 points against. Uh, any interest with them this week against Denver? You know, uh, Case Keenum threw it around a, a little a lot week one. He had three interceptions. He uh, is clearly a guy that is fine taking some risks uh, with the game script and maybe Baltimore leading by a touchdown late in this game. Uh, are you are you on the Ravens defense at all as kind of a sneaky alternate to the three we mentioned as popular?
1: Um, Not not as much as I would be on uh, some of the alternatives we talked to talked about the Panthers earlier. I'd rather just go right. with the Panthers. The Ravens, okay. are, the Ravens defense is on that list of what are they really, because the Bengals were picking them apart in that game for, the, for the better part of Thursday night. Uh, so with that, I, I kind of want to see how they respond, how they bounce back. If I'm buying blind on the Ravens, I'm always more likely to do it when they're at home. I think you know, everyone plays better at home, but the Ravens seem like they get a little more of a boost compared to most teams for one reason or another.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think Carolina a little more, but uh, I have a I have a weird uh, pick six vibe in this game for the Ravens. I think I think Keenum throws one to him.
1: Yeah, if, you, if you're feeling it, you got to let it go. You got to get out there and make it happen.
2: Uh, moving on, to the next game, the Giants off that ugly, ugly performance against the Cowboys. They've they traveled to Houston to face the Texans. Uh, Houston's favored by six in this game. Low over under of only forty one and a half. Weird Saquon Barkley game last week. A lot of touches. Uh, he only had the he only has the one big play so far. That one. Uh, that one in week one where he ran for I think it was sixty eight yards for the touchdown. Sixteen targets last week. They were checking down to him like crazy. And a lot of times it wasn't like you know Eli was in trouble and dropped it to the last second. It was a lot of times where he just like dropped back and boom to Saquon for three yards. And he looked good when he caught the ball. He didn't have a lot of space. He was only eleven to 28, 28 in the ground. How you feeling about the Saquon Barkley experience at eight thousand on Fanduel after two weeks?
1: You know you would probably get him at a pretty low ownership rate. Houston's run defense has been pretty solid these first two games, three point four yards per carry allowed. It's against the Titans and, and the Patriots that had a pretty banged up backfield in Week One. But uh, I, I look at Houston at home as a, a team that can keep this Giants offense uh, kind of uncomfortable throughout the afternoon. So I'm I'm not really I'm not really looking to pay up for Barkley this week. If I drafted him in season long in the middle of the first round, I'm feeling okay about it just because the usage has been in line with expectations. I mean, yeah, he's not going to get double digit catches every week, but just that that became part of the plan when they had no solution for Dallas's pass rush bodes really well. There's not really a game script that pushes Saquon Barkley out of the fold unless they're up 30, which they never will be. So he's going to get plenty (laughs) of work every single week.
2: So I'm waiting for it, and I know it's coming. I'm trying to figure out when to time the Odell Beckham explosion week. Uh, He only had four catches last week, 51 yards. He's usually a guy that I like to play after he has a quiet game. He's at 24 targets the first two weeks. The Giants' offense looked terrible last week. I have to think that uh, in the Meadowlands, they've got to be scheming to try and get Beckham the ball a li- in a little bit of space, maybe on some slants while he's moving. Uh, they've got to do something to get him the ball, and I just wonder if they're going to force-feed him this week, which I love for DFS.
1: Yeah, I mean, Houston has been picked apart uh, by New England earlier in, in Week 1, so I, I don't look at this as a defense that in the secondary is necessarily going to lock a, a top-end receiver down like Odell Beckham. So uh, it's kind of interesting because I think a lot of attention is going to go to Julio and Michael Thomas yep. this week and with Antonio Brown not being on the main slate suddenly Odell Beckham comes in at a slightly lower ownership rate so especially in tournaments I think he's the the high end receiver you might want to pay up for if you are steering away from Julio and Michael Thomas
2: and you mentioned in that group you guys also mentioned Tyreek Hill who's you know only 100 cheaper than Beckham is going to be really popular in that in that KC game I love Beckham this week getting him at a, I think he's going to be like 5 6%
1: Yeah, that's that's only if you can get a top five player at running back or receiver at five percent, that is gold.
2: And it's just hard to see how he's not. Like you mentioned, Thomas and Jones, We have Tyreek Hill. You got both of the Vikings receivers, Devontae Adams, 8,100, A.J. Green, half the three touchdowns. It's hard to see how Odo Beckham doesn't sneak through at a really nice percentage this week.
1: Yeah, I'd be I'd be surprised if he came up above like eight percent. That'd be that'd be a stretch.
2: Any interest in uh, Evan Ingram this week? 5,800 on FanDuel. Uh, Gronkowski smoked Houston week one out of the tight end spot. Uh, Ingram had seven targets last week. little banged up this week. Uh, did have six seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, any interest there? are you just kind of staying away from this offense for the most part, besides maybe Odell?
1: Yeah, other than Odell, I don't think I'm investing in the Giants this week. I think it's all, all Beckham if you're going to go after Giants.
2: Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't take many huge stands all the time, but I think this is a big Odell Beckham week, and I love him in tournaments.
1: I'm right there with you.
2: Uh, the Houston offense, uh, Deshaun Watson uh, finally uh, had a good game after the kind of rusty week one. But I tell you what, this Houston offensive line is concerning me. He's getting a ton of pressure. He's having to get rid of the ball. And I don't know if all that's the pressure or him a little bit worried about his knee. The Giants only have one sack for the first two weeks. So maybe this is not a week that I have to be worried about the offensive line. But going forward, I'm a little worried with Watson with the, with the struggles I had protecting him.
1: Yeah, I think the schedule throughout the season is one that could be pretty favorable for Houston. You know, Other than seeing Jacksonville twice, there's just not a whole lot you look at down the road and say, oh, that's a major trouble spot for them. Uh, so the offensive line may play up a little bit in some matchups. This could be one of them. Uh, the question I have is like, okay, if, if you're worried about the offensive line, do you stop taking the discounted price on Lamar Miller? Because based on that usage and based on the projection, he remains one of the more underpriced running backs. On on DraftKings especially, but even on FanDuel, he's very fairly priced. Do you just steer away from that? Do you look at that as bad chalk, or do you actually keep locking Miller in, especially in cash games? Because the knock on him continues to be that the upside's not that high. Like, he's not a running back that necessarily wins a tournament for you because so much can go wrong for him inside the red zone. But if the offensive line's a concern on top of that, then you start to look at him and say, okay, maybe he's cheap for a legitimate reason, and we should be looking elsewhere.
2: If the offensive line was the issue, but he was one of those guys that catches the ball a lot of the backfield, I think I'd feel a little bit better about it. But he only has four targets and three catches through two weeks. He has 13 yards out of the backfield receiving. Um, I think he's someone that I'm just not going to play until I see a little more from that offensive line. I'm really worried about their O-line. Uh, granted, against the Giants, it's a nice game script. The Giants uh, have struggled on defense. The six point favorite, so kind of lines up as a Miller game. But I just think there's other running backs I like more that I think, A, have more upside and B, I trust kind of the situation more.
1: But you would roll out Watson in a tournament in the same vein, maybe as throwing Cam out there in a tournament?
2: I would. I think that uh, and he's got a lot of upside. I think that uh, he's got two good receivers. The Will Fuller stuff is crazy. He's 7,200 on FanDuel, but he's played five games now with Sean Watson in those five games. 21 catches, 392 yards and eight touchdowns. That is bonkers.
1: Yeah, the touchdown rate that we're seeing from Fuller <laughs> with uh with Watson is just uh it's it's unrivaled. You just don't you don't ever really see guys sustain that over over any sort of long run, but I think Will Fuller is a more dynamic player than people are giving him credit for, and I think this ridiculously high touchdown efficiency is almost making people fade him for a silly sure. reason when well, they're fading him at the expense of overlooking his actual talent and that with DeAndre right. Hopkins on the opposite side of the field, Will Fuller will always see more favorable coverages in yep. Houston than he would see if he were the number one receiver elsewhere, which he has the talent to actually be.
2: And when you think Will Fuller, you think like, oh, he must have had a 70-yard touchdown, but he had nine targets last week. He had eight catches for 113 yards and a touchdown. I just he just messes with Watson really well. He's seventy two hundred on Fanduel. He's fully priced now. I mean that's uh, he, he's definitely moved up in the world. Uh, do you are you interested in stacking either one of these receivers with Watson? If you kind of go turn them uh, you know off the radar,
1: it's so hard to not stack Hopkins with yeah, Watson. But the discount on Fuller makes it really appealing. Do you dare? Do you dare use them both? Do you, you kind of like aim for the four TD game from Watson? And hope that he gets like two each, to 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 uh, Hopkins and Fuller. I mean, it's crazy aggressive, but it's really difficult to choose between the two.
2: It is, and I just I just don't know with a six point favorite, if they're gonna be throwing enough to really get that. They're gonna have to really rack that up in the first three quarters. So. I don't think I would this week, but I think that's an interesting idea if they get game, a game where, you know, they're three to four point underdog with a little higher over under a little more uh, dynamic offense on the other side to kind of turn it into a shootout. I do like that. But I think in this game, I'm just a little bit worried the Giants would do a ton. So uh, I, I don't think I could fully go with that.
1: Yeah, you got the Colts coming up next week. So maybe Ooh, that's kind of a nice one. Four yeah. is the time where you actually go with the whole uh, whole trifecta with the Houston offense.
2: Next game up, we have the we have the Raiders making a long cross country trip with an early morning game headed to Miami. Uh, Miami's fared by three, point over under. Uh, you might think I'm crazy, but at 6,900, I actually really kind of like Amari Cooper this week, and I'm going to hate myself uh, next week for saying it, aren't I?
1: No, I mean, I already locked him in. Like, I, I set my pentathlon lineup, my initial All lineup, right. and Cooper was in it. So. Uh, we're, we're on the same wavelength, at least, as far as just using him at that discounted price. I mean, he should be, I don't know, seven to $800 more expensive, probably, just just from a cash game purpose. So I, I think the way he's priced down right now makes him pretty appealing. Uh, Gruden seems to want to make him the focal point of the passing game, as he should, just based on the way the, the depth chart there has been assembled. Uh, so I do like Amari Cooper this week. Do you worry about the Raiders showing up and just Completely falling on their face, though. You mentioned the long trip, the early start. We know teams from the West Coast going east can be particularly vulnerable with those early 1 p.m. Eastern kickoffs. How bad do you think it will get for the Raiders this week?
2: I wish I could figure this team out. I mean, they looked so bad Week One. They actually looked pretty decent in uh, in Week Two against Denver. They lost the game late, but you know, Derek Carr was 28 of 31, like a the most passes ever for a 90% uh, completion percentage, but. He's a different guy on the road, I think. He threw so many bad passes that first week. Uh, but, uh, you know, Cooper had 10 targets. I, I feel like they were forcing him the ball. You know, he had the – all the stuff came out after after week one, and Trudan was like he was open all the time. I don't know why Carden not throw it to him and He gets the ten targets, so I think they're gonna, you know, kind of move, they moved him around really well in this offense. So I really liked uh, what I saw there. Uh, they gave up on uh, Miami gave ninety two yards to Quincy and none last week, so it's not like they're stopping any kind of receivers. Um, the only my only concern on this is that David Carr's getting rid of the ball so quickly. You watch him and he just seems like skittish, like he just wants the ball out of his hand. It's really limiting the deep opportunities. So while Cooper's catching the nice the nice uh, short slants and the balls, uh, you know, he can get some run after catch, but. I just don't know how much they're going to throw the ball deep based on how quickly cars get rid of the ball.
1: Yeah, I mean, Cooper's not bad after the catch, at least, so that, that helps, but yeah. Yes, you that do, does help. You do wish they could take a few more shots downfield, uh, but Cooper, I think, is the only Raider I'd consider playing, and on the Miami side, it's like Kenyon Drake and nothing else. I know he's still sharing with Gore, but Gore didn't look quite as efficient in Week 2 as he was in Week 1. Not a huge surprise there. The carry split's probably 60-40, favoring Drake. You know, he's he's not gonna get moved out of the game plan. If they, if they were to fall behind, like they're gonna use Drake exclusively and dump the ball off a lot. The state of their passing game with receivers being banged up and unproductive, I think it bodes really well for Kenyon Drake at a very affordable price. He's sixty eight hundred on FanDuel, fifty six hundred on DraftKings, actually like him quite a bit on both sites this week.
2: Yeah, the Raiders have allowed 5.8 yards per carry so far in the season. That's really an issue. I mean, Frank Gore is, I guess, the only problem. He is getting a lot of work, but I think that you know Drake is clearly the talent edge and the youth edge right now, and I think that 1600 is a really good price.
1: And my concern with Drake going into the season was just that he did a lot of that damage from like, the second half on. He wasn't really getting on the field much to begin the season. Uh, I thought maybe as a feature back this year, he'll wear down over the course of the year. We'll see if it plays out that way, but... Week three, sharing carries with Gore so far, he should be very fresh and very effective.
2: Yeah, I mean, he only played 36 snaps last week. I don't like to see that from uh, for a running back, but obviously the talent's there. Uh, I think this game script's going to work out pretty well. I think Miami's going to win this game. Uh, so I think that works in the second half. It's funny, you mentioned the uh, pentathlon. We did a, it's a you know five-event five, uh, five event challenge that we're in. Uh, how jealous are you of my Le'Veon Bell, Jarek McKinnon start in the best ballpark?
1: Uh, I'm pretty jealous. I mean, I, I kind of replicated <laughs> that with. Uh, well, I've got Le'Veon Bell and Joe Mixon in the uh, Rotowire Online Championship. Uh, that team's not oh, doing gosh. well, as you can. I know. Can can't guess. imagine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, and ugly. just just getting free agents, getting anything good off the wire in those leagues is so hard. I, I didn't throw half my fab at Philip Lindsay after week one, so that was obviously a mistake in hindsight, or looking like a mistake in hindsight. It, it feels terrible to have your top two picks or two of your first three go down early. And, and the, the Bell thing, I was getting some crap for the, the Le'Veon Bell situation during a, a radio hit. Someone said, well, what, what help are fantasy analysts if they didn't see the Le'Veon Bell holdout coming? And I'm like, no one saw it coming. Like, it wasn't, no. it wasn't like Adam Schefter was out there saying, hey, just so you guys know, Le'Veon Bell might be serious this time. Nobody thought he was actually going to hold out. Everybody expected him to follow the same pattern as last year. So I don't think we're... I don't think we were uh, missing the boat uh, any more than anybody else as a community by not expecting him to sit out uh, into the season.
2: No. And there are even reports that like a couple weeks before he was going to come in on Tuesday of the first week. I mean, it was, it was pretty certain that he was coming in. I think it would, if anything, it was leaning way, way more that way than anything else.
1: Yeah. There was, there was some like maybe misdirection from his camp about his plans, if nothing else.
2: Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of misdirection from his camp at the moment.
1: (laughs) Well, it's, I don't I don't know. I I think he's I think he's going to go with a 10 week thing where he he just waits, comes back for the absolute minimum amount of time to accrue a full year of service to become a free agent. That seems like the plan he's following right now.
2: It certainly looks that way. He's probably going to join a lot of two and eight fantasy rosters at that point, too.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's going to be pretty (laughs) brutal for the bulk of the people that held held on to him that long.
2: My uh, My one last note in the Miami Oakland game again, a, another defense to consider if you want to save some money, if you want to get away from those uh, popular three that we 've been discussing. The Miami defense on Fandle is only 3,700, super cheap. They forced five turnovers already in the season. They had three sacks week one. Uh, Derek Carr was good last week. We mentioned that, but he was horrible on the road week one. Uh, He threw a lot of passes that uh, had no – actually, they were home week one. Sorry, they were against the Rams. Uh, He had a a bunch of really poor passes, though. Um, I was not impressed with Carr week one. I was impressed week two. But I think the Dolphins' defense, if you want to get sneaky and low percentage and save some money, 3,700 is a really nice off-the-radar play
1: there. And they have been good against the run their first two games, too, so you kind of take that away and, and make the Raiders convert a lot of third and longs that could certainly uh, set up you know, more pass rushing opportunities and, and possibly some turnovers.
2: So before we move on to uh, the game with uh, your Packers, a real quick note from one of our sponsors, uh, Fanball. Let's talk about the new daily fantasy site, Fanball, for a second. The number one issue I hear from people who try DFS is almost impossible to win for the casual player. There's just too many sharks out there with 150 lineups, and you basically have no shot if you want to play a lineup or two for fun. That's where Fanball comes in. If the name rings a bell, yes, it's the same folks behind the season-long site from back in the day. Paul Charchian, who ha- also happens to be the president of the Fantasy Sports Trade Association, has brought back the Fanball name, but this time as a DFS site. He's looking to level the playing field by enforcing low entry limits. In fact, I'm looking at the lobby right now. The most lineups anyone can have in a contest is actually 10. There's a huge That is a huge difference maker to not have to face somebody with 150 lineups. Plus, they also have snake drafts, which are super fun. I'm told auctions are coming very soon as well. Head over to fanball.com rotowire. Sign up and make a deposit of at least $10, and we'll give you a free six-month membership to rotowire. So Derek, your Packers uh, headed to Washington to play the Redskins. Um, I might be crazy, but uh, Aaron Rodgers is expensive, but I kind of really like him as a pivot off all the popular guys this week.
1: Well, it's kind of like we were saying before with uh, Odell Beckham when you can get an elite player at low ownership, it becomes really interesting. Uh, FanDuel, he's eighty-eight hundred, so I think everybody's going to just walk away from Rodgers at yes, that price. Sure. You know, DraftKings seventy-one hundred gives you a little more to play with. Uh, relatively speaking. So I I could see him being slightly higher on there, but still pretty much ignored Washington. As I said before, it's a total mystery box team for me. Like I just can't quite figure out what they are. Uh, The running game has been kind of a mess for the Packers. They do get Aaron Jones back, how much they're going to use him. We really don't know Uh, with Rogers being a little bit hobbled. He he looked more mobile than I expected. They use the shotgun a ton and you know, he ran for at least one first down in that game where I didn't even expect him to take off in that situation, but he did. Uh, You wonder if pass protection is even more important than it ordinarily would be because he's slightly compromised. So maybe that keeps Jamal Williams on the field uh, a little more than some people expect. So I'm probably staying away from the running backs. Uh, Rodgers for a tournament dart, if you want to call him that. It's not really a dart. It's kind of an expensive (laughs) dart. It's more of like a javelin or something. But uh, Rodgers makes sense. You could pair him with Devontae Adams, and you're probably getting them both at a crazy low ownership rate. In a
2: in a tournament like the Big FanDuel Sunday Million, what do you think Rodgers is about three percent at eighty eight
1: hundred? Yeah, three to five. I mean, five would be even pretty surprising because again, like that price eighty eight hundred, that's going to steer a lot yeah. of people away.
2: I mean, he had, he was thirty of forty two for two eighty one against the Minnesota defense. I think we can assume is as, you know among the elite defenses. That's damn impressive.
1: Yeah, and I'm still kind of daydreaming about the the throw to Geronimo Allison. That he, he made uh, in, in week one, you know, on, on one leg, too. Like, just the stuff this guy can do is is amazing. Uh, and, and not really worrying about the running game for a few weeks is kind of the luxury they have. They can kind of put it all on, on Rogers' arm for a week, and I think he can pick apart that Washington defense
2: you're a Packers fan, so I'll defer to you here. Any interest in any of that uh, running back situation or just with, with Williams and and Aaron Jones and everybody they got there that you just kind of a stay away from now until we figure
1: it out. It's a stay away for me. Uh, if you said you got to play one, I'm taking Williams for one more week. I'm not going to jump on the Aaron Jones trade train right away. Uh, I just think McCarthy's the kind of guy that holds grudges, keeps guys in the doghouse longer than he should. Uh, he'll go to Jones when he needs him. And, You know, that could be the first quarter, that could be two weeks from now. And I think that's the that's the most frustrating thing about Mike McCarthy and and running backs is just I, I think he's caught up in this idea that that Aaron Jones still needs to learn a few more facets of the game. When everybody who watched him last year kind of agrees that he's easily their most explosive option out of the backfield.
2: The guy that I actually thought looked really good last week and someone that I'm not a fan of, I was avoiding in season long. I didn't like him in Seattle uh, last year. The way he looked was Jimmy Graham. I thought he looked really good on Sunday Eight targets, six catches for 95 yards. Really started to mesh well with Rodgers in that game. Those 95 yards are more than any uh, game he had last year. Uh, he did have all the uh, – he did a nice touchdown string last year, but they were always kind of in the red zone, goal line opportunities, short passes. I thought Jimmy Graham looked more explosive yester, or th- on Sunday than he did at any point last season.
1: Yeah, he had a touchdown taken off the board because of a penalty too. So, I mean, that, that game could have been uh, even better last week. Uh, prices are very reasonable. You mentioned Zach Ertz is a guy that you liked. Uh, Quite a bit earlier. I like getting Graham because he's discounted compared to Ertz on both sites. He's 6,200 on FanDuel compared to Ertz at 7 flat. Uh, And then over on DraftKings, he's 4,900 compared to uh, Ertz sitting up a little higher at 6,800. Quite a bit higher. So I like the low price on Graham. I wonder if that's going to just make the ownership rate go a little bit nuts. He might be a safer cash game play. And then a guy that in tournaments you're just limiting the exposure to maybe not avoiding them completely, but you're not going to just universally use them across all your lineups.
2: Yeah. With Rogers at 8,800, I think that with uh, Adams at 8,100, it's hard to get them both in. I think if I'm going to go Rogers in a tournament, I might go with the Rogers Graham stack and pay up uh, elsewhere, um, save some money on Adams to Graham and kind of attack it that way.
1: Yeah. You could do that and then spin Beckham in maybe instead yep. of Adams and save up uh, elsewhere. That could work.
2: That uh, that uh, is kind of the uh, the bare bones of my uh, one of my tournament lineups right there.
1: All right, we won't reveal anything else about it.
2: <laughs> well, I gotta fi- I gotta finish it before I figure that out. But uh, I really like those uh, as starting with those three because I think you're gonna get Rogers and Beckham at crazy percentages for how for the for the level of talent.
1: Yeah, and again, you could you can thank the other games on this slate which if yes. if you're playing like the Sunday night and Monday games in your slate, it's going to be even even better as far as lower ownership rate goes on Rodgers since I think a lot of people are going to be interested in, in Pats Lions and and Steelers Bucks as well.
2: So on the Redskins side, uh, like you said, kind of a tough team to figure out. I think I thought Alex Smith looked really bad last week, just checking down over and over. But within that, uh, Chris Thompson kind of looks like the best guy in this offense right now. 21 targets through the first two weeks. He had 13 catches last week. Um, you know They could be playing from behind. I think the Packers win this game. They're only a three-point favorite, but I think the Packers are going to score. I think we'll see a little bit of a healthier Rodgers than we saw last week. Um, Alex Smith loves the check down. As a 49ers fan, I watched it for a lot of years. Uh, any interest in Chris Thompson, 6,500 on FanDuel, a uh, little bit cheaper on DraftKings. You get a full point per reception there. Uh, are you jumping in on Chris Thompson all this week?
1: I'm not. I'm going to stay away. I mean, I'm just comparing him to like a Deion Lewis, who gets a tougher matchup against Jacksonville, 4,500 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel. If I'm going to go yeah. with one of those guys who I'm leaning on for their pass-catching role, I'm going to go ahead and get Lewis cheaper and tougher matchup uh, and and know that I might be getting him for 8, 10, 12 carries on top of that, which Thompson you know, probably isn't getting anywhere near that.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned this week you've got uh, you've got the Corey Clement, you've got the uh, Giovanni Bernard. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard to find a way that, that you're gonna like Chris Thompson more than those guys just just strictly from a volume perspective.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Clement's setup is so good with both those of the running backs likely out.
2: Anybody else in the Redskins you want to discuss, or we will go on to the next one?
1: I, I kind of hate this team. Uh, so I not, do too. Not really. Uh, I mean, if if you don't want to play Thompson, you want exposure. You think Alex Smith's gonna throw it a lot? Jordan Reed kind of. just falls in as a viable option for me, but uh, I like it. I don't love it. So I could easily end up without having a Jordan Reed lineup, but again, he may end up fitting just based on how the final pieces come together.
2: So uh, we move on to the next one. We got, we talked about it kind of at the beginning, we we're talking about the huge spread with the bills headed to Minnesota um Buffalo uh 16 and a half point underdog, over under 41. You mentioned the implied total on Buffalo is about twelve and a half, which, as you mentioned, is probably the lowest I can remember seeing actually in a game. You, you don't get a this a spread this big with an over-under that low. Uh if you had to play someone on the Buffalo offense, uh, I probably won't anywhere, but if you had to play someone, is there anybody you kind of like?
1: Hmm. Uh <laughs> n- no. Um
2: Kelvin Benjamin at fifty four hundred on Fanduel as a uh, you know throw the ball four thousand times in the second half.
1: He comes up. I'm looking at my my little cheat he's sheet bad, that I but. make and you know, dollars per point. He's the best value for the Bills. So yes, <laughs> I, to answer your question, if I had to play a bill, yes, Kelvin Benjamin actually would be that guy just based on how that all plays out.
2: Yeah, me too. You know, he only had three targets last week. If he was seven on week one, he only has 29 yards total on the air. But it's one of those plays that, you know, there's kind of game script and price, I guess you got to think about, but I just don't think he's very good. And I don't know what Josh Allen is at all right now, except that Josh Allen does seem to want to push the ball down the field and force it a little bit, which is what you want. If you have a receiver in this game.
1: Yeah, I mean, I expect Xavier Rhodes to be on Benjamin a lot. So that's not really a good matchup, but eventually yeah. if the Vikings have that big lead as expected softer coverage happens. And and with that, you get that garbage sort of production. So Benjamin could show up in a, in a trash game scenario.
2: So you mentioned the Minnesota offense, you know, maybe goes a little overlooked on teams that are worried about the second half game script. Is there anybody in particular that you are looking to play on this offense, thinking that uh, we talked about Latavius Murray, if cook doesn't play, he's kind of an obvious one. Uh, anybody in the passing game that you're going to play heavily or in tournaments or cash that you want to talk about?
1: Um, you know, if, if cook is in, Murray in tournaments could be something I do with one lineup because I think even if Cook's out there, Cook's probably not going to get all the carries start to finish. I think they're going to use Murray a bit more than they ordinarily would, Uh, and they might get the luxury of just running him like crazy because they've got a huge lead. The pass catchers, they're priced up enough where I I don't feel like I'm getting great value anywhere, so maybe you're just going after him because you think people are looking away. Uh, If I were going to play one... I guess I would just lean on Stefan Diggs, but I don't feel strongly about it.
2: Yeah. And cook didn't, uh, didn't practice again today. So that's starting to be a little bit of a concern. So that's one of those. You're going to have to watch Sunday morning. Uh, luckily this is an early game. So, you know, if, if cook is out, I think I slide, uh, murray into a lot of lineups at 5200 i'm with you on the receivers i just it's hard to that they're both so good um i think i'm probably not going with cousins this week just kind of a game script issue he's 8600 he's fully fully priced off last week's monster performance against the packers um, what about the vikings defense we mentioned that uh, they're gonna be super popular are you gonna go with them or are you gonna kind of pay down with for one of the lesser defenses maybe get a little sneakier
1: no i'm paying up for either the vikings or the jags i keep going back and forth okay. on it i mean if Mariota's does not playing, it probably steers me a little more heavily Towards Jacksonville, but if I've got ten lineups, fifty fifty on those two is probably how I'm going to handle it.
2: My only concern with you know if Mariota doesn't play is that with Gabbard, I just wonder if they just kind of run the ball and check down all game. And with with Josh Allen, I get the feeling like he's going to try and make stuff happen, and I like that if I play a defense on the other side.
1: Yeah, that would be that would be kind of a, the differentiating point between them, right? I mean, the Bills they have nothing to lose by letting Allen just learn on the job this year, so right. You, you could you could see it like that. Whereas the Titans probably have some designs on finding a way into the playoffs, and with that, they might get a little more conservative. So I think that is an interesting consideration. So we've got the the big game
2: of the day next. In terms of uh, over under, the Forty Nine ers headed to Kansas City, fifty six and a half point over under. Everybody's talking about the Chiefs' offense. Uh, Chiefs Carnival was uh, was trending on Twitter with some. I think Mark Stope and a couple of the guys were have been trying to get that hashtag going. The interesting side of Kansas City though is the other side of the ball. Their defense is bad. They've given up uh over 1000 yards in two games, 1016. Granted that's teams coming from behind trying to keep up with their with their offense, but uh lost in kind of the you know the the Chiefs carnival and, and Mahomes with the 10 touchdowns is just how bad the Chiefs defense has been and do you do you, uh do you attack that? Do you think the 49ers aren't quite uh, what Pittsburgh and San Diego or Los Angeles the Chargers are? Uh, what do you do with this game on the on the 49ers side? That's kind of the more interesting side to me because I think the Chiefs side is pretty obvious that you can play almost everybody. Uh, are you going to attack the Niners at all? Do you think maybe the offense is not as good as we thought? Where do you fall on that side of the ball?
1: It's possible that it's not as good as we thought, but this isn't the week where I feel like we're going to learn that. I think we're going to learn it against more <laughs> yeah. of like the league average defenses. So uh, Garoppolo, very affordable, 7400 on FanDuel, 6500 on DraftKings. Uh, relatively speaking, that's actually a better price on FanDuel even though he's more expensive there. Uh, I, I like this setup for him a lot. I think the the big question I have is like, what do you do with Garoppolo if you're going to stack him? Like, in, in in most cases, you are going to stack at least one piece of that offense with your quarterback. Do you go with Matt Breida and and just kind of fade the wide receiver situation? Do you trust Marquise Goodwin if he plays to play his usual complement of snaps? Uh, I tried it with Kittle last week and. They didn't go off quite the way I expected against the Lions. Do you go back to a well like that? Do you go with Garcon as the the possession sort of guy? Like, what would your play be with Garoppolo? Because I do want to use him, but I'm really torn on which piece of that offense to pair with him.
2: Yeah, that game last week was kind of weird against the Lions. They kind of got up and then just kind of sat on the ball. And Brita had that long touchdown, so it kind of took away a lot of the firepower in the offense. They just kind of sat on it after that. So I think I'm going back to Kittle. I think I like him with a stack there uh he is explosive i think they're going to uh they're going to feed him he only had two targets or he only had two receptions last week uh, he only had that on four targets, so really not as active as he was in week one with the nine targets. If Goodwin plays at 5,800 on FanDuel, I think I'm going to play him, but I want to read up on that. I, I need to see that it's, you know, Goodwin is fully ready to go. I need to see some kind of quotes that says, you know, he has no limitations, no snap counts, something like that. I think that he could be a monster in this game if he's, if he's ready to go and healthy. If he doesn't play, I think I'm going to go back to Dante Pettis at a very low ownership percentage because I don't think people are going to go back to him after he didn't do much last week. He's up to 5,200, but if Goodwin doesn't play, I think he's the deep guy. He's the fast guy. He's the guy that's going to break plays. Um, so Pettis, if Goodwin doesn't play Goodwin, if he plays and then kind of Kittle either way is, is kind of the way I'm attacking it. Yeah.
1: And if I were going to use Garcon, I'd think it'd only be in cash, but I think, uh, you know, Kittle kind of works in, in both types of lineups and, uh, the, the speedsters Goodwin and Pettis have definitely more like a tournament lean for me right now.
2: Yeah. Garcon is he's just kind of possession guy and it, you know he's got to get a, a touchdown inside the 15. He's not gonna break it much longer than that. I just. It's hard to find a ton of upside. He's probably going to catch two touchdowns to really pay off in a tournament. So I think I'd probably agree with you
1: there. I think i go with the other more explosive guys when I'm looking for some 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 big scores. But yeah, I think you can load up on this game. Chief side, not really looking away from, from anybody. Um, Kareem Hunt's weird slow start seems a little fluky. The TDs should be there, even if the passing game usage doesn't tick up this week. Uh, Kareem Hunt is probably somebody I'm going to have in at least one lineup, maybe two. I just like the price has come down, especially on DraftKings. 6K flat, he's probably going to be pretty popular as a bounce-back guy this week at that price. Weird that he only has two targets. You know, not only one catch, but two targets is crazy to me. Yeah, but I just think in this offense, like, even if that continues, even if he just gets less than we thought as a pass catcher, because they are able to throw so many, so many other options uh, that they couldn't use with Alex Smith, Hunt's going to score because this team scores so much. Like, it's just like that's gonna help make up for his smaller role in the passing game if that trend even continues.
2: I agree. And they were on the road both games. So if they get home and they build a leading game, he's gonna to start to get those carries in the in the third and fourth quarter. I keep trying to find a way to go away from Patrick Mahomes. He's expensive on He's 8,900, 10 passing touchdowns through two weeks. Just crazy. I mean, that the game last week, I and mean, they were just throwing the ball all over the field. He had multiple plays where he had like three guys open. I watched a couple breakdowns of that offense, and when they spread guys out and they move Tyreek Hill in motion, I mean, they just, they're just they just creating so many opportunities and easy passes from Mahomes. Granted, he has a gun, and he's making good passes, but you know easy guys that are open. Kelsey was open all day. It's just hard. I mean, the 49ers did, uh, secondary did not look good like it was last week against Stafford. Like I said, 340, 347 yards and three touchdowns, but Stafford missed a lot of yards, too. So if you do go with Mahomes, uh, who's your preference to stack with him this week? Is it Hill? Is it Sammy Watkins off the big game last week? Is it Kelsey again? Do you have any kind of lean on who you want to play
1: with him? I'm probably going Watkins in tournaments because that price is so much lower. 6200 on FanDuel, 5100 on DraftKings. That really opens up a lot of interesting possibilities. And with Mahomes' price being up so much, you need to kind of counterbalance that to have enough left to fill everything else out with high-end guys that you actually really like.
2: Any concern that Watkins might see a lot of Richard Sherman on one side?
1: Mm, nah, not really.
2: Sherman has looked good. They only they, the Lions only threw at him once last week, but I think you're right. I think Andy Reid's good enough that I think they'll move guys around. So I don't think Sherman will shadow anybody. Uh, you know, they'll move Tyree so We won't be able to guard him. Uh, I think they'll uh, I think they'll they'll plan away from that pretty well. And uh, you know, he had 12 targets through two weeks, uh, six catches for 100 yards last week. Uh, they're clearly using him well. It's just it's hard to figure out who to stack with Mahomes. I think if I do it, it's uh, it's probably Travis Kelsey again. Although I like Zach Ertz in that spot, so I might go away from that, but. Hard not to go Tyreek Hill. I mean, you could just go so many ways in this offense. they're, They're so fun.
1: Yeah, and if you're just worried about paying up for Mahomes, I think on DraftKings especially, Kareem Hunt gets you that exposure to the Chiefs offense very affordably. Yep. And with a few other similarly priced cheap running backs, it's going to be chalky, but it might not be as overwhelmingly chalky as it would be otherwise.
2: And I think, you know, the 10 passing touchdowns, zero rushing touchdowns are going to have to change a little bit. And I just wonder, you mentioned Hunt's percentage. I just wonder how much it'll be with so many people playing Mahomes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's where things open up quite a bit It's just all the attention is on the passing game right now.
2: So next up, we have the Battle of L.A., which is an interesting game because it's one of those over-unders kind of sneaking towards 50. It's 40 and a half. The Chargers at the Rams. Uh, there will probably be no Chargers fans. there. There's no Chargers fans at home games, so I can't imagine they travel uh, across the city. Rams are favored by seven. Um, on the Chargers side, nice game script for uh, passing in terms of the over-under and the spread, but the Rams off. The Rams defense is actually obviously really, really good. Um, are you touching the Chargers offense here? Do you see any kind of upside with the over-under with how good the Chargers offense is against this Rams D?
1: Now, I'm a little worried about the Chargers not being able to keep pace, and I think if if you believe that they will score enough, To keep the Rams offense with the foot on the gas, then the Rams are a lot like the Vikings in that they're kind of just overlooked, and the game could be closer, so you get better balance that way. But I'm looking at this, and I'm saying, all right, I think I'm pretty content to just go ahead and and roll like Cooper Cup out there, especially on DraftKings. His price is still really low, but even on FanDuel, 6,300 is not bad, 4,900 in DraftKings. Uh, His target volume, I think, is pretty steady week to week. Uh, I know they've got plenty of options with Cooks and Woods there as well. Uh, but I'm just kind of taking that value, getting light exposure to the Rams. I have no problem paying up for Todd Gurley. It doesn't seem like the was it, cramps that caused him to leave early last week. Like there's nothing to really yeah, worry I think about. He's fine. Yeah, nothing to worry about going into this matchup. Um, it's just a question of how much can the Chargers move the ball against the Rams' defense? And I'm erring on the side of being cautious in that regard. So I might have lighter Rams exposure. Than I should based on that offense projecting to be a top five scoring team this week.
2: I kind of have a sneaky uh, Robert Woods vibe this week. Down at fifty one hundred on DraftKings, he started the year at sixty two hundred. He was fifty nine hundred last week, down to fifty one hundred. He actually leads the Rams in targets. He has eighteen targets over the first uh, the first two weeks. Uh, he's one ahead of Brandon Cooks, and I think a couple ahead of Cup. Uh, I think this might be his week. He hasn't scored yet. He's been getting the targets, a ton of usage. Uh, I don't think he'll be high percentage at all. I think people will go towards Cooks or Cup more. Uh, I like Woods at 5,100. I think he's going to be a, a tournament play for me, especially on DraftKings at, that, at low price. He's a little bit higher on, on FanDuel 6,700, but I really, really like Woods and DraftKings this week.
1: Yeah, it's interesting how close the price is on Cup. I mean, Cup, I think, does make a little more sense in cash, so if you want to pivot off Cup, yes, then, I agree. Yeah, Woods, as Scott says, is a good call.
2: Yeah, I think I like uh, Cup more in cash, Woods more in tournaments. I think the uh, I think the big play is coming with Woods, and I think it's coming this week. I'm with you. Uh, lastly on the Chargers, any Melvin Gordon interest? You know, he's priced way up on final 8,400. Probably going to you know, lose percentage again to kind of the sexier names around him. But uh, could be a nice game script for his targets. He has 20 targets through two weeks. Uh, they could be trailing in this game. Uh, three touchdowns last week. Uh, how do you feel about Gordon this week?
1: I think he's tournaments only for DraftKings. 8,400 on FanDuel is a little bit too steep. If I'm paying up there, I want uh, something that I I just like all around, not that I just like kind of in one facet. I think the Rams can be a a suffocating sort of defense. So uh, tournaments only for Gordon, 7,400 on DraftKings is where I would do it. But even there, I'm lukewarm on it.
2: Yeah, I think anybody that's that expensive against the Rams defense is probably just someone that I'm not going to try and force into my lineup.
1: I'd be more likely in a tournament if I'm going to do something different and spend up more than 7K on a running back. I'm probably going David Johnson against the Bears instead.
2: Uh, You know, the Rams haven't allowed a wide receiver to catch, uh, have over 30 yards yet through two weeks.
1: Yeah, Wade has just (laughs) crazy talent on that side of the ball again. And we saw what he could do with it in Denver. For during his time with the Broncos, I think he's got the same kind of thing going right now with the Rams.
2: Yeah, I love Keenan Allen, but uh, you know, as far as expensive receivers go, there's just others I'd rather play that aren't facing the Rams D.
1: Yeah, don't 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 get cute. No bye weeks yet. Plenty of players in the pool.
2: So uh next game is our is our super low over-under at thirty-seven and a half. It's the Bears traveling to Arizona. Bears actually a six point road favorite. Uh, I don't think we saw that coming uh, two weeks ago when we, we were looking forward to games. Um, so looking at Chicago, you know, Arizona's been terrible. Uh, Jordan Howard could be a nice game script. He's 7400 on FanDuel, priced up enough where he's not going to be very popular. Um, Adrian Peterson and Chris Thompson torched them week one. They were pretty good against uh, against Gurley on the ground last week, except for the touchdowns. He had three touchdowns, but the yardage was pretty good. Uh, how do you feel about Jordan Howard this week?
1: Like Jordan Howard, kind of an either-or for me between Howard and, and Allen Robinson, who – should be just fine. I mean, I think Mitch Trubisky still figuring some things out uh, as a passer, but you look at where he's at uh, right now in the price list. Allen Robinson is down at a very affordable, you know, sixty five hundred on Fanduel and fifty four hundred on DraftKings. Like for a guy that's a legit number one receiver and capable of beating even top end corners in a tough matchup, that's a steal for Allen Robinson.
2: Fourteen targets last week.
1: Yeah, and I, I just think Matt Nagy gets it, so I think you're going to see more of that. He's got to be the easiest guy to throw to on that roster by far.
2: Yeah, he's only, like you said, 5,400 on DraftKings. I think him and Woods are like my two my two favorite cheaper receivers under 5,500 on, on DraftKings. I really like both of them with the amount of volume they've seen the last couple of weeks.
1: Right, so for me, I'm, I'm like more interested in Robinson, but Howard is a guy that I'm definitely trying to get into at least one lineup this week because I think the Bears uh, are going to be just fine at Arizona this week.
2: Bears defense is uh, kind of their big story. 4,300 on FanDuel. They have 10 sacks the first two weeks. They have two touchdowns and they forced four turnovers. Arizona has been terrible as a team, you know, scoring wise, but, you know, they've only given up. They only had three turnovers and three sacks total. So I wonder if they're just kind of that team that's sitting on the ball, not scoring, not going anywhere, but not really making a lot of mistakes either.
1: Yeah. So maybe that's the knock against using the Bears defense, but I just think that the bears could also change that they could come out and, and get so much pressure right away or and then who knows maybe the cardinals make a move at quarterback this week at some point during the game and and then Josh Rosen's out there in his debut trying to trying to solve that defense like yeah, I, yeah
2: I, the bears bears deep to be a lot more interesting if Rosen comes in the game at halftime
1: yeah which i to me is at least possible
2: yeah i think so too you mentioned David Johnson 8 200 on fanduel um you know the offense is a mess they have six points on the air the price is still high he will not be popular. You, I don't see a lot of the general public playing him after the, the first two weeks. Uh, they've said they're going to use him more in the past game this week. I don't know why they didn't uh, last week. He had, he had nine targets week one, only two in week two. He only has 22 carries total. A lot of that's been game script. They've been behind, uh, Do you mess this offense at all and pay up for Johnson? How do you feel about him this week?
1: I don't like him on FanDuel because the price is pretty high, but 7,200 on DraftKings is low enough where for tournaments you can think about it. They know they have to get him heavily involved. He's got 14 touches in each of the first two games. I bet they get that up over 20. One thing they can do to slow down the Bears pass rush, get David Johnson out in space, get him the ball on screens, and just make him a PPR machine this week. So that's where the appeal comes in for me.
2: Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think if he does uh, play well, it's going to be in the past game. And he's, he's more interesting to me on DraftKings with the PPR. Uh, last game of the day before we get out of here, uh, one that was uh, probably a lot sexier two years ago. We've got uh, the Cowboys uh, going to Seattle to face the Seahawks. Seattle has not played well, although both those games have been on the road. They lost to Denver and they lost to, uh, they lost to Chicago last week on Monday night. Um, what do you feel about this game? Over under is only forty-one and a half. Seattle's fair by point and a half. This game is weirdly not that interesting to me considering the, the name teams involved.
1: No, no, I don't really know like how good Seattle's defense is. I mean, like, can they contain Ezekiel Elliott? Maybe you got an angle to play Elliott. The pass catchers for Dallas have been atrocious. I don't really see enough there to get excited about anyone. Uh, even, even like a cheap Cole Beasley doesn't really do anything for me. Dak kind of off my radar right now. So, Dallas is almost an avoid across the board. Elliott's the one guy that maybe sneaks in if you want to get a talented guy at a pretty low ownership rate. Uh, Russell Wilson is only 6,000 on DraftKings. I mean, the offensive line is a problem. We saw Dallas wreaking some havoc on the Giants up front last week. Are you concerned about the same thing happening to Russell Wilson, or do you see him as maybe the cheap tournament quarterback of the week that has that really high ceiling? I'm a little worried because you know Jimmy Graham's departure took away a big weapon. Doug Baldwin being hurt really eats away at their pass catching depth. It's kind of like a Wilson and Lockett stack makes some sense, but it's boom or bust I think with those two guys.
2: I mean, I just that offensive line is just such a big concern to me, and I don't I don't love their pass catchers outside of Lockett. But you look at the Dallas defense, 3400 on FanDuel. They're probably my Probably my favorite cheap one because I mean, you look at the the Seahawks have given up six sacks in each of the first two weeks, twelve sacks total. They've turned the ball over five times. They gave up a defensive touchdown last week to the Bears. Uh, they just look lost on offense. Uh, Schottenheimer's offense coordinator. They just look like, lost. W- Wilson looks like he's not happy with the plays being called. It looked like Pete Carroll actually called a timeout last week because they kept ch- <laughs> Wilson kept changing the call. Uh, the, the Cowboys have nine sacks. They had six last week. I think they. It's hard to see the Cowboys not getting three or four sacks in this game. When you start with that base of three or four points on a defense, any turnovers, any touchdowns are just gravy at that point. I love starting off with a nice base of sacks, and I just don't see how the Cowboys don't get multiple sacks in this game.
1: Yeah, I guess it's hard to imagine Seattle putting up like 30-plus points. So it if, is. if you're buying into their offense doing anything, it's it's Wilson to lock it for me, and that's how they somehow are stackable, even though they're not explosive as an offense. I just think they they have so few options to – put points on the board that it's, it's that or nothing.
2: Yeah. And I kind of just stay away from the Seahawks running backs for now. The Chris Carson stuff with uh, Carol pulling him out cause he was tired, even though he only played two special teams plays is weird. Rashad Penny had a, a couple of good moments, but not getting the ball enough that I'm, I'm really acting there. So I think for me, it's, it's probably Zeke, if anything, in this game at all. A two hundred, he'll be low percent. If I want, uh, like you said, kind of a a stud in a spot where not a lot of people want to use him, I think Zeke's probably the most interesting guy here. But overall, this game is not overly appealing to me.
1: Seattle's kind of on collapse watch. Like if they don't bounce back at they home are. this week, they're going to have that dysfunctional cloud gathering over their heads, and uh, there's definitely reason to be concerned based on these first two weeks, but. Uh, I want to give him one more look especially at home before I, I start to assume the worst.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, I think I picked him in the, in pick pools and against the spread just kind of the, the automatic O oh, Seattle back at home, but when I looked closer at the offensive line issues plus how well Dallas has rushed the quarterback, I'm worried they're just going to wreak havoc in the backfield.
1: It it's totally possible. Yeah.
2: Anybody else you want to talk about before we get out of here? Anything else that's uh, on your mind that you want to discuss
1: for week three? I think we covered everything I had. I mean, I was I was really pretty excited about Allen Robinson when I saw that price. I didn't expect it to be that low, and we got to him near the end. So I think we got it.
2: Yeah, Allen Robinson. I also like Robert Woods at that low price. And uh, for me on the top end, Odell Beckham and Aaron Rodgers, I think, are going to be the plays this week. They're going to be sweet, low-percentage plays. Uh, I think you are get them really low percent with all those big uh, you know the big the uh, big games up top with the overrunners i think those guys uh, slip through and are really good
1: yeah i think the the logic there makes all the sense in the world Cool. Well, thanks everybody for
2: listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast for week three. We do appreciate that. If you could please rate or view the podcast, if you enjoy listening to us, we also appreciate that. That always is very helpful to the podcast. Other than that, uh, if you want to follow Derek on Twitter, he's at Derek Van Riper. I am at Scott Jenstead. Go ahead and hit hit us up with questions as the week goes forward. Happy to answer those there. Anything you want us to address on future podcasts or advice or concerns or comments, we would love to hear those too. Hope everybody has a good week three and we'll catch you next week.